It didn't take much more than a bottle and two chairs to make a speakeasy. This is what Daniel Okrent said in his book, Last Call, The Rise and Fall of Prohibition. Today, join us for some stories. Get your own bottle, glass, mug, and relax. This is Speak Easily, and I'm your host, Krista Stoffer. Where'd you guys end up? Uh, we're going to be, well, we're still downtown right now, but we're going to be in Black Lake, which is... Uh, That's uh, basically where I grew up, actually. Oh, really? Black Lake's awesome. Yeah. Well, good. Yeah, good, good schools um, and a nice kind of quiet area and yeah, you get yeah, plane right. noise from the airport. That's it. Yeah. So. <laughs> it, uh, Gahanna schools then? Yeah. Should be. That's where we're yeah. on. Yeah. Oh, That's nice. We, both Chris and I graduated from Gahanna. Well, yeah. fantastic. Yeah. Judge as you may. Yeah. So. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it was different when we went there though. Whatever your right. judgment currently is, it was different when we went there. Okay. Well, we better. the elementary school and the middle school seemed great. The high school, we're not sure about. Which middle school? Uh, it I, I don't south? know. Probably okay. south would be my guess. Middle school south. Yeah, Maybe. School south. Okay. Yeah. We actually, I mean, uh, speaking of, I still have a lot of my theater students that are Gahanna kids. Right. And honestly, it's, it's great. The school is still really good. The high school. Terrific. Well, that's so. good to hear. Yeah, I mean, we you know, the ratings are like, they go up and down and any, I'll tell you what, anything is going to be better than Odella, uh, which is where Reese is now. It's an online school. Ah, uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. No, not, not fun. Yeah. Mm -hmm. our, we're really disappointed in the school that we're at now, which is at the kitchen table upstairs. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> A drag, right? We're not going back there ever. <laughs> yeah. I heard, I heard the teachers were good though. No, the teachers suck. <laughs> it's, I mean, it's to the point. So Doug is a data analyst. I mean, he does numbers all day and he's starting to forget how to multiply. Oh my he's like, God. Hey, I'm like, no. Yeah. <laughs> my wife sent me a meme and it was uh, a dad leaning over a computer uh, with his son and the caption was, so you have seven motherfucking apples. <laughs> pretty much pretty much yeah <laughs> so you have two kiddos how old are they now uh three and almost six he'll be six in june okay wow you have a yeah it's heavy, heavy dudes but uh -huh. we're we're making it work yeah yeah so is your wife i mean she's not going in the office i wouldn't assume right actually she is she just started setting up the studio last week and they're going to start shooting there this week you know uh sort of a skeleton crew uh yeah. but but yeah they're starting to reopen the studio okay so we'll see yeah fingers crossed you what know. does your wife do she's a photographer she's the senior uh photo manager at uh express okay okay yeah. very cool yeah that's out in black lake reynoldsburg area isn't it the headquarters are? the headquarters are but the studio is on fourth street oh okay so she still goes downtown yeah that's awesome oh i know i know it's right by uh wolf's ridge i think is that right yes is yeah. that like a brewery or tavern yeah. something yeah. yeah brewery yeah that's how i know where places are is in location to of course <laughs> how, how far away the breweries are <laughs> i just i i went our local kroger has a liquor store in it and i yeah. went and got bourbon tequila and i was gonna just do triple sec but they didn't have the de which is good they had the bad one so i got 
Patron Citronge, which is like the Patron version of triple sec. Nice. Hmm. So we got a little fancy for the margaritas tonight. Nice. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, somebody gifted me a bottle of um, Rosso, like sweet vermouth. Oh, wow. Yeah, and I have no idea. I'm, I'm basically wine. That's So one of our podcast guests is a phenomenal bartender. Excellent. When the opens up, you'll have to go visit him. But so I'm texting Jesse like, what do I, what the, do I, I don't even know what to put in this. Do I just drink it? <laughs> no. I would do uh, Manhattan. He said Manhattan or... Um, What's the other one? Negroni. There's, Negroni, yeah. So I did gin, um, Campari, and the Rossi. Yeah, that's the that's the Negroni. That's the Negroni. Okay, that's it. I don't know what I'm doing. I just just a third of each, and there you go. Oh, just a third? Just kidding. No. I mean a third. Now a third could be anything. That could be one gallon. Yes. One gallon. One gallon. Okay. So. And I've been doing a lot of third grade fractions, so I know how to do that now. Good for you. Good for you. <laughs> I want to be done. We're done. We're done. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, welcome to Columbus, Ohio. How Thank long you. you uh, how long were you here before the world shut down? Like a minute. We, uh, my wife came out March 1st, and my kids and I uh, drove out on the 7th. Okay. So... We were literally leaving destruction in our wake, leaving New Jersey and New York. Um, and, you know, it's, I really, my heart really goes out to that region. Yeah. I mean, everyone obviously around the world is affected, but New York and New Jersey are really getting smacked. Yeah. And especially like I was, my main work was doing sub, uh, you know, subbing on theater productions. So, all of my Broadway pals are just, yeah, you know, they're, they're like, I mean, they're doing well considering, but they're freaking out, you know, <laughs> they're like, what the heck's going to happen? Frozen, closed? Shut, yeah, that's a little scary. That's terrifying. Yeah. I mean, I thought that was going to be a warhorse like Lion King is and Aladdin is, you know. Well, and being managed under the Disney theatrical group, it's like, that's Disney. That's, uh-oh. What yeah. happens to everybody else? It's very scary. Um, so, you know, at, at one point, I had considered commuting. Like, I would considered trying to keep working in New York. And, you know, if, if when it opens back up, because I feel it will, yeah. you know, I might be able to still do that. But, boy, it's... Let's just say that I'm I'm glad to be in Columbus. I, I think we, as a family, kind of dodged a bullet yeah, in some ways. I think so. And yay, Columbus. I, mean. <laughs> I have to tell you, I've only been here twice before. I was touring once with a band called Elizabeth and the Catapult and once with Howie Day. And we played the Rumba Cafe both times. Yeah. Um, but every time I came here... It was one of those towns that, you know, you probably don't know it if you haven't been here uh, necessarily, or if you haven't, if you don't have a reason to know it, you don't know about it, but it's like a pleasant surprise. You yeah. wander around and you're like, oh, wow, this is actually pretty cool. It's not unlike how I felt uh, going to Pittsburgh, which, mm. you know, I think people tend to paint the whole Midwest 
with the exception of Chicago, is sort of Rust Belt, you know, depressed. Yeah. Um, and while that's true for a lot of places, I feel like Pittsburgh and Columbus and, and other spots have bounced back and done a really great job, you know? Yeah. And the arts community too. It's when we visited, I actually saw your band in Charlotte and going around that town was like, Charlotte is a place that I could, I could find myself. Yeah. I mean, it's definitely, gosh, I mean, well, God, and especially in light of what's happening now, it's like, I wonder if these Charlotte, Columbus, you know, these sort of secondary cities mm -hmm. uh, are going to be the new hubs of creativity because, I mean, people can't afford New York anymore. Right. And kind of same, I mean, Los Angeles, if you're renting, you can kind of make it work, but it's similar. Like you could never buy a house in Los Angeles unless you're a millionaire. <laughs> so yeah, I feel like a lot of, you know, a lot of artists have been moving you know, out here to Detroit, to yeah. back, you know, North Carolina, South Carolina, wherever, just, right. you know. I mean, the weather's not as great. But. <laughs> you know what? I, do, if you see him waiting for Guffman. Oh, yeah. We were just talking about that because Fred Willard died today. Oh, I saw that. That's, that's such a heartbreaker. Yes. Yeah. We'll have to pour one out for Fred. Yeah. That's but I don't remember who it was in that movie that was like, you know, they say in Blaine, if you don't like the weather, just wait five minutes. Mm -hmm. But we think with hard work and dedication, we can get that down to three or four minutes. <laughs> but I, I really felt, I feel like that in Columbus. It's like yeah, yesterday was just a monsoon at around, I don't know, 730. Mm -hmm. And then I was 20 minutes later, was walking my dog out in the sun. It, like yeah. almost zero evidence that the monsoon had even happened. Yep. So let's <laughs> wait, wait until we get a real winter too. It's it's that gets crazy. Winter's I'm sure. Nasty. Yeah. I, I bet. I'm not looking forward to that, but uh, at our new house, we've got a gas logs in the fireplace and we have a fire pit outside. So I'm ready. I'm ready to, well, but you've been through New York winters though. I mean, those. Are yeah. And they're no picnic. This one was fine, but, um, yeah, they're not, certainly not fun. Um, but yeah, I, I feel like this, it's a little cool, a little colder here than in Jersey. Um, yeah. But it's, it's not going to be a complete, you know, it's not like we're moving to International Falls, Minnesota or something, you know. Yeah, don't do that. Yeah. No. Not going to happen. Nope. No. And my husband's <laughs> cold, so he's already complaining right now that it's too hot. It's pretty toasty out there. We went, uh, we were with the kids, we were trying to fly a kite. Yeah. And it was, the, the air was just dead. And so the poor little octopus would fly up a little bit and they'd just go, Bleh. So. Oh, man. Yeah. yeah the, the, I was telling Ben, my kids are out now. So the challenge is that we got a Quarren puppy. Good for you. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's like infancy all over again. Yep. Uh, we're, we're trying to figure out how that's, all gonna go because the pups are upstairs by themselves right now <laughs> so that's that's the way to do it oh. we're gonna build a padded room uh that locks from the outside in our house and just throw our kids in there and just say oh, yeah. they need that yeah it's so crazy so you <laughs> you are originally from north carolina is that right that's right i was born and raised in winston-salem north okay. carolina yeah and 
lived there through college. I went to the North Carolina School of the Arts, yeah, which is now called the University of North Carolina School of the Arts. That's a lot. I'll never call it that. No. I think it's ridiculous. I mean, it is a university because what is that? That means it has grad school. So. Okay. Right. I think that's what that means. Oh, I don't know. But anyway. We were Otterbein College. I graduated from Otterbein College and now it's Otterbein University. So I don't know why that changed. Yeah, but that's a little easier. That rolls off the tongue a little better. It's like. It does. It's two words. Yeah. The University of the North Carolina School of the Arts is an additional two words. That's ridiculous. Yeah, that's too much. Not not saying it. Not not gonna say it. So (laughs) even though I said it twice. Those are the last two times I'm gonna say it. It did not roll off the tongue. My foot is down. I'm not saying it again. No. (laughs) That's right. (laughs) University. No. So you went to for music? Did you study music there or I did. I majored in cello performance and actually graduated. Um and uh but while I was there, I met uh, the guys who were in Jump Little Children. Um, and we actually, I was a founding member of Jump Little Children. And then six months later, they all left school. Okay. And Matt, Matt and I had lunch and I actually quit seconds before he was about to fire me from the band. Um, <laughs> well done, you. I know. It's, well, yeah, Matt was totally relieved. He didn't have to fire me. Hmm. Um, but it wasn't, I wasn't going to leave school. And it, at that time, Jump Little Children was much more of like an Irish traditional slash country blues band, you know, yeah. more of a folky kind of thing, Okay. Um, which I like, but is not, I'm not going to quit school to do that. Yeah. Um, so then as, as time went by, that was, that was before my senior year. Over the course of that year, they lost one of the members uh, to a cult who was kind of the main impetus behind the traditional stuff. Uh, you, never, you never heard this story? Never heard that this That is story. an atypical story. <laughs> it's kind of wacky. There was a guy named Christopher Pollan okay. who um, was one of Matt's best childhood friends growing up. Yeah. And was friend- we were all friends with him. And uh, they moved to Boston. and. It was one of the worst winters. It was the winter of 94, I think. And it was one of the worst winters they'd had. And Chris struck up a friendship with this group of people that were called the Messianic Community. And they were kind of like, if you take Amish people and sort of just ramp up the hippiness a little bit it's and ramp up the craziness a little bit, Okay. that's kind of what it's like. Um, but anyway, he sort of fell in with them just sort of to get a free meal from time to time. And then he, within two weeks, he was like, I'm joining this community. Oh my gosh. Wow. Wow. And community commune type thing. Yeah. It's a very, uh, I think they're called the 12 tribes. Uh, so you can Google it and see what they're all about, but it's very, it's sort of like extreme fundamentalism. Um, but not like, it's a little better than run-of-the-mill fundamentalism because they actually take seriously the the things about a rich man not being able to enter the kingdom of heaven. It, okay. So it is a commune. Like yeah. they don't have their own possessions or make money. So like, okay. but it has all the other not so good things about fundamentalism where, yeah. you know, women are very much second-class citizens. 
Um, but anyway, so when that happened, the the sort of folk music element was was not as much a part of Jump Little Children. Yeah. And I was getting burned out of classical music. So I was like, uh, and Matt, when he left, Matt called me and was like, well, we have a spare room up in Boston because Chris joined this community. And, uh, and I was kind of like, well, now that you mention it, I might, I might want to, because I, I don't think I want to be a classical player, yeah. you know, for my life. So, right. so that's how that went down. It's crazy. Yeah. In Boston. So you moved to Boston. Well, I was going to move to Boston, but then they had a falling out with another member of their band in Boston. And I think they were all really shell-shocked from the winter also. Yeah. So they, um, Matt and Evan's father, John Bivens, had been working on restoring St. Michael's Church in Charleston. Okay. So they were there for the fall of 93 before they moved to Boston and made some connections uh, with Jonathan Gray, who okay. is Jump Little Children's bass player. Is and he is he he's from near near myrtle beach sacristy i think is where he grew up okay. um but but he was in charleston so yeah i was on a summer road trip with my girlfriend at the time and in the middle of it matt i got a hold of matt and he was like hey ward how do you feel about moving to charleston instead of boston i was like <laughs> that sounds great so yeah okay but you did, you did graduate though and finish that. I did, yeah. So like right after I graduated in '94 is when I joined up again with Jump Little Children. Okay. And what was the what was that like at the time? I mean, had you were you guys established? No, uh, we were. I mean, we had we had done some things like at School of the Arts. Uh, we had had a little crowd and done some minor touring. But gosh, I mean. In Charleston, we would literally, we all lived in a, except for Jonathan, the the four other members of the band lived in like a two bedroom railroad apartment. Oh my gosh. Um, okay. So we each had a room, but you know, oh, okay. it was supposed to be living rooms and dining rooms. And we were just like, no, no, these are all bedrooms. And uh, so we would go out and get whatever gigs we could. But if, we, if we didn't have a gig, we would go play out on the streets. We'd play oh, right. the corner of Church Street and Market Street in Charleston. Uh, yeah. Put Jay would open up his guitar case, and we would just good old busking. Yeah, and we and at the time we were a very we were a pretty interesting, you know, busking act, and people would yeah. stop and listen and throw some money in, and we'd go to Harris Teeter and buy beans and rice and pasta and <laughs> cook dinner. It was very, yeah. we we're very, very sort of hippie-ish in our own way, I guess. So. Well, different than a cult, I will say. Yeah. A little, yeah, a little bit, but I would definitely, there are definitely similarities between Jump Little Children, like the band, uh, and I think the, the overall fandom, that there's cult-like things about it. <laughs> Hopefully harmless, you know. We're not offering anybody any Kool-Aid, but uh, there's definitely a community, you yeah. know, and yeah. and there's definitely, I mean, there's something about being in the band that is, there's a mysterious uh, bond there that, you know, cult is probably a 
kind of pejorative way to say it, but it, it, there is almost a spiritual type of bond between the five of us. Yeah. And also like the, I, the people who have followed us and the people who are on our opium page on Facebook, it's a real solid community. Yeah. And uh, I don't know. I feel like if, as we sort of emerged into the second chapter where like post reunion tour, um, you know, it seems like, yes, we're a band that has fans, but it's also, it, it's almost like we're all kind of one big cult. So, I, you know, yeah, it does seem a little culty, <laughs> but a happy one, a happy <laughs> cult. <laughs> cult of joy. Yeah. Oh, that's funny. So how long, how many years did you guys tour together before taking a break? We were, I would say 12 years because, you know, 94, we got started and, um, yeah, 11 and a half, 12 years, because we, the last show was that show at the Doctor Street Theater in 2005. Okay. So, so yeah, summer of 94 to winter of 95, that's 11 and a half years. Yeah. Uh, that it, it was a long time. And, yeah. you know, I think we, it wasn't like a, you know, a rancorous breakup at all, or it was very amicable, but I think we all saw the writing on the wall a little bit. We're like, okay, we could, we could keep trying to grind this out. But even before we recorded our last studio album, Dim in the Dark, we were like, we kind of had a meeting and we're like, you know what, let's, let's do one more record. And, you know, if something crazy should happen and all of a sudden we're the next big thing, we'll cross yeah. that bridge when we get there and maybe keep going. But if it continues just as it's been and we're still, cause we, you know, we got a lot of our crowd, I think in 95, like we, we kind of hit the ground running when, before Clear Channel had taken over everything. And like, there was still sort of this ability that, that program directors had to play whatever they wanted. So, you know, our little dinky CD, Licorice Tea demos that just started getting in the hands of different program directors and they were playing it before Big Brother was telling them what they had to play. Yeah. And, and so we had a real significant uh, uptick in fans then. And then yeah. I think when we got our uh, record deal in 98, there was another ramp up. Mm -hmm. um, but it, it sort of just plateaued there. We never sort of found out, like we never were able to sort of break through that. Um, and I'm not sneezing at that at all i mean honestly especially after playing with a bunch of other people and seeing you know what other artists struggle with it's it's tough it is really tough and we i think that the fact that we're able to do it for 12 years and the fact that we still have a fan base is an, a huge success story you know uh that being said uh you know none of us are in the forbes top 50 uh you know we never got to play on letterman or whatever um so you know i think that yeah at the time we were like let's you know if, if this isn't gonna finally make us rock stars let's hang it up for a little while so. yeah well well i mean i guess is there how do you judge that degree of i've made it as 
you know, being a musician, because I know for my field, it's tough for a lot of, and you've seen this, it's tough for a lot of people to think if I'm not on Broadway, then I haven't made it. Or if I don't right. do films, I've not made it. So I'm sure. kind of struggles in the music world too, I assume. I, yeah, I think so. And man, I just think it's, uh, I think the goalposts always move. It's, yeah. it's always a little further than, or a lot further than where you are. Yeah. I know. I mean, God, I worked with a bunch of Broadway people and, they all had struggles and we're all jealous of so-and-so who got the guest star on the TV show. Yeah. I mean, not, not backbiting, but you know, it's it, wherever you are. I mean, gosh, I remember we were, we were sort of working with Hootie and the Blowfish when we had our, our record deal. Okay. And like, you know, by any standard, I mean, their debut was one of the best selling records of all time. Mm-hmm. so like but then they you know they put out their third record and they were still like hustling and trying to make and yeah you know from an outsider's perspective you're like oh man what why don't they just pack it up they've they sold 14 million copies of cracked review or however many they sold yeah but it's not i don't think i don't think you can put yourself in their shoes completely you mm-hmm. know i mean shit you too is probably still trying to figure out how to be relevant and yeah you know it's i think you're if you're i mean maybe not any profession but i think most professions and definitely artistic professions i think you're always going to be looking for the next step whether it's in your own craft or career wise or just the next thing you're going to be doing right Right. so so that's why, you know, when I say it's like, oh, we didn't get to be on Letterman, it's, I can still look at what we achieved and be like, God, that's a huge success, especially compared to many, many, many other bands um, and many other acts that I've played with that, you know, have had huge hype at times, but, you know, wouldn't fill up the Rumba Cafe, you know. Um, so, yeah, I think. I think sort of if there is a key to having any kind of contentment in your artist's life, it's like you, you should be striving, you know, you should be, but every, every so often, you know, look at, look at what you've done, pat yourself yeah. on the back a little bit. Yeah. You know, I mean, if you can make, <laughs> not even make a living, if you can make a buck <laughs> doing your art right. at all, yeah. well done because so many people don't at all absolutely you know so when when everything ended with the band did you go straight to new york or did you pretty much i i was gonna go straight up to new york but then my brother uh, and his wife were pregnant with their first kid so uh, and he was due in april mm-hmm. so i was like you know what i'm gonna stick around and uh watch my nephew be born and um and I also, I had a job. I was working at a restaurant in Charleston. And um, I also had a gig every week. We were doing live band 80s metal karaoke at a place <laughs> called Cumberland's. Which, awesome. I tell you, it was the best gig I've ever had. <laughs> and no disrespect to Jump or anybody I've ever played with. But this was like all of my childhood dreams coming true. Oh, that's great. Um, 
So, so yeah, I stuck around till October, sort of watched my nephew come into the world, yeah. you know, tied things up and then, yeah, just moved to New York. Um, I'd saved up a lot of money cause we were paying, Evan and I were splitting the apartment in the same house that we had lived in all those 12 years. It was just, there was a duplex. So we just moved downstairs, Yeah, but we were, the rent and it was right in downtown Charleston was decent size. It was a little janky, a little beat up, but the rent was $800. Oh my gosh. So 400 for each of us. Yes. So, <laughs> so when I was like working at a restaurant and playing that gig at Cumberland's and, and jump was going, I, it was, I bought all my recording equipment. I bought all my, it's, it was like, I remember calling, I don't know if you know Sweetwater, it's a comp, it's a music company that sells gear and they, they assign you a person who will try to sell you things. And, and I just remember calling my guy up. I'm like, what should I get? I got some money burning a hole in my pocket. What, here's what I have. If I want to make better recordings, what should I get? He's like, ah, blah, blah. Well, get this. So, and you're hearing it right now. It's this uh, little channel strip that I have. So yeah. I'm sure you made him a happy, happy man. That was a good day for Bill at Sweetwater. (laughs) For sure. Goodness. How did you fall into um, playing for Broadway shows? Was that just kind of random, or did you it was just... a little random? Um, I had done a gig uh, with this band who's not around anymore. They were called the Wellspring, mm-hmm. but the rhythm section of that band was Lee Nadell, who, who's on bass, and Rich Mercurio, who's a drummer. Okay. And those guys that they were kind of a team. They were sort of a dynamic duo. Um, but I played cello with them and, you know, Lee was, was real nice and uh, Rich was real nice. And Lee and I kind of sporadically kept in touch throughout the years. And um, anyway, they were, they became the actual, the band for the musical Waitress. That, oh my God. Uh, Sarah Bareilles did. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and one day I got a text from Lee and he was like, dude, how's your guitar playing? And I sent him back a picture of Ingwe Malmstein, who's a shredder a guitar player. I was like, I'm almost as good as this guy. I was like, what do you need? <laughs> and he calls me and he's like, listen, there's a guy uh, who plays in this band and he's, he plays cello and guitar and he is having a really difficult time finding anybody to sub for him. Would you be interested? And I was like, I'd been trying to, you know, want, not trying. It's, yeah. it's kind of hard to try. I mean, it's possible, but I'd been really wanting to do Broadway work at, almost ever since I'd been in New York. Yeah. So when he said, are you interested? I was like, I'm really interested. So um, I went and met the guy. His name is Yair Evnin, um, super talented, great musician, um, really nice guy also. And went and watched the show and uh, learned, like just practiced almost as hard as I've practiced for anything. Just because the way it works is if you're somebody's sub, you get a recording of the show. You'll get like a video sometimes of the conductor Mm -hmm. um, and the music, you know, you get the, and Yair also had videos of his guitar playing, like showing exactly how he played certain things. Yeah. But it basically it's on you. You just 
learn the stuff and then it's go time. Yeah. Uh, so I was terrified. Um, luckily I actually got one rehearsal. I got to run through it once because they were breaking in uh, a new drummer and I guess, you know, cello guitar guy can shit the bed and the show will still go on. But if the drummer shits the bed, it could derail the whole thing. So they were, they gave the drummer rehearsal on the music director, who's a woman named Nadia and is also everybody in that production is incredibly, is just wonderful. Yeah. Um, and Nadia texted me and was like, Hey, if you wanted to go through the music, we're having a rehearsal. And I was like, I would really love to. Yeah. So, so yeah, that was my first time subbing. And luckily for me, it was a while before he found anybody else that could do it. So anytime he wanted to take off, it was, he, I was the first call usually. Yeah. Um, eventually found, uh, we had a, we have a nice, had a nice group of subs there that he could sort of divvy the work up evenly. But another very lucky thing with that is waitress ran for almost four years. Yeah. Uh, it's a huge hit and huge accomplishment. Um, so, so yeah, I really, I kind of lucked out with that. That's awesome. Yeah. What other shows did you play out there? Uh, my next show was Natasha Pierre and the Great Comet of 1812, wow. which is amazing. Yeah. And uh, I have to send a shout out to Alone Bisque, who's, who was the cellist for that. Um, I also subbed for him at, on Beetlejuice, which has closed, unfortunately. I saw uh, that. I got to see Beetlejuice last year. You did get to see it? I did. I did. What did you like it? I saw it. <laughs> you don't have to like it. I no. I've never actually seen it because okay. I've just been in the pit. Well, it's true. I visually stunning. I mean Right, I've heard. Every piece of that. But I also saw it um the first week of previews. So uh, I'm sure ah, okay. and like the the review that came out the next day said intermission come and me one go home. Um, right. <laughs> that was a fair yeah. scene. Uh, and I'd also seen Hades Town the night before, so it was oh wow! Like, yeah, yeah, it's it's not Hades. Hades Town was mind blowing. Oh um, yeah. The same woman who directed that directed Natasha Pierre and the Great Comet. Yes. Yeah. She is a genius. Yeah. I think um, Rachel Chavkin yeah. just. Um, but yeah, I've heard mixed reviews about Be I think Beetlejuice is very funny. Like, yeah. I, I get a kick out of listening to it. And that guy, Alex Brightman, who Phenomenal. played Beetlejuice is ridiculous. Yeah. Um, so also, yeah. It's hard though when, when that movie was so much of my growing up. You yeah. Know, it's like Michael Keaton was Beetlejuice. Sure, yeah. And that was it. Like, <laughs> Alex Brightman did great, but it, it, the weird the couple, they just weren't a featured part of it. It almost felt like their roles were wasted mm -hmm. just to give the role of Lydia a little bit. So it was just an odd, an odd pairing. It felt there were moments in it that felt like the cartoon version from the nineties. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. So it was, but again, I'm not judging on how it had been in the last year. I saw it the first week. So. Sure. I mean, well, also, I think the last time I saw Beetlejuice was in 1990 on a VHS recorder, you know, so, and I liked it. I mean, I thought it was a great movie, but it, it definitely was not like, I, you know, I didn't have, it wasn't a huge part of my life, yeah. which Pretty Woman was, 
and I played in the pit for that. Oh, um, nice. Nice. How was that show? Did, it did pretty well, didn't it? It did okay. Uh, whenever anyone asks me how that show was, I say I really love playing music for a living. Um, <laughs> is it, that... It, is it kind of like when, when somebody's kid is just not attractive and you're like, oh, what a cuddly baby. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's, I'm, again, I'm so grateful to the, to be able to have done it. You know, the, the cellist for it, Susan Mandel is a good friend and fantastic. And, you know, I don't know what people, but the, there was a review in the New Yorker that sort of nailed it, I think. Or, or or the times, which is like everything just seemed very phoned in. the The dialogue was verbatim from the movie. Okay. Um. I mean, the, it really seemed like, you know, they they were called the creative team, and they're like, guys, we're starting rehearsals next week. What are you? Oh, oh, just take take the dialogue from the movie. Just, just here you go. There's your play. There's your book. And then Brian, they called Brian Adams and like, hey man. You got some songs for us? He's like, oh, let me knock off a few. I'll take some B-sides that I didn't use. Here you go. Like, it just seemed very, you know, slapdash and, you know. Huh. It's it's so weird how many movies are being made into Broadway shows. I mean, it's hard to find a Broadway show that wasn't a movie. Right. In, in some ways. Yeah. And one of my former students just got cast in Mrs. Doubtfire. Oh, Wow. Poor thing is devastated. Um, <laughs> I'm sure. Oh man. And she's she was graduating early from high school to go play the role of the understudy. So it was just like this whirlwind. She was doing college auditions, made it through New York, and just kind of on a whim went for the audition. Mm -hmm. But it's so interesting to see though where everybody is in this line of wait of is the show going back up? Do we <laughs> right? Do it? What's it going to look like afterward? And I know, and there's no way to tell because no. it's, you know, the last show that I was subbing on was Jagged Little Pill, and it was kind of a cautious hit. Like they were, it was doing pretty well. Um, and now it's like there's no Tony Awards. You know, it's it's hard to say. I, I feel like Hades Town will survive. Uh, Hamilton will obviously survive, and Dear Evan Hansen will probably survive. Um, I feel like Mrs. Da I feel like this shows like Mrs. Doubtfire that never really did that didn't even open, did it? They had they started I think two weeks of previews, a week or two of previews. Okay, so yeah, they didn't even really get their shake. Like I feel like I feel like they have a better shot mm -hmm. than I mean, Jesus, if Frozen closed, nobody's no. nobody's safe, you know. No. That's crazy. It's my do Phantom in. Who knows? You know, probably not. Probably not. Yeah, yeah. Phantom will stay. Phantom will somehow live on. My yeah. Die <laughs> already. Be beneath Broadway somewhere in some yeah, exactly. catacombs. Yes. It's actually still going on. We just don't talk about it. <laughs> right. Oh my gosh. So what do you? What are your goals here in Columbus? Like, I mean, obviously you haven't had a chance to really get out and about, but Right. Yeah. I mean, my first, I've reached out to the cello teacher at Ohio State, uh, a guy named Mark Rudolph. Mm -hmm. And um, he's, I have not met him yet, but he seems like a really great guy. Um, you know, 
the whole thing of moving out here, you know, I was, when my wife was being pursued by and pursuing Intermix, I was like, look, if I'm going to uproot from my entire profession, you have to, you have to make more than both of us did here. And I, I'm not going to get a job at Starbucks. Yeah. I'm going to just practice. I'm going to get, I'm going to try to up my game. Mm -hmm. And so they did, they made her a very generous offer. So, you know, I'm going to be stay at home dad. And I've in, in this little closet here, you see my, my cellos back there. I've been really working on things technically that I've always struggled with. Um, you, you know, I, what I told Mark is that I'd like to take lessons with you and I'd like to maybe audition, you know, for the Columbus symphony. Uh, mm -hmm. if not, for a, if not getting a chair, at least be a sub there. And, yeah. you know, I mean, just see what, what all Columbus has to offer. There was a whole crew of uh, people from Columbus that I knew in New York. Uh, mm -hmm. Got Aaron Lee, Tajan. Uh, do you know him? He lives in Nashville now. He's, I don't think he's, so. He's an amazing singer-songwriter guy, okay. but he, him and Mark Stepro was the drummer and a couple other guys. Uh, they had a band called the, the Madison Square Gardeners in New York. Um, but there was a real kind of Columbus uh, scene. Yeah. Uh, at least back then. Yeah. And so, you know, I definitely want to see what's happening with that and, you know, do weddings. I, I'm, for, I'm, I'm here. I'm ready to work. Whatever, whenever work comes back, right. you know, yeah. I would love to be involved in it. We'll, we'll make sure you, you do. <laughs> That'd be awesome. Yeah. How often, how would you, like on a normal day, how long do you practice every day? I mean, not as long as I'd like. I, I, I try, I'm trying to get like an hour in a day when I can. Um, yeah. So, you know, some days I get a little more, usually it's probably a little bit less. Um, but, you know, slowly, 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 you make progress, you know. Well, That's a when you've got two little things that are at your heels probably most of the day, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah, it's very, and the trouble with, you know, Simone's nap time often turns into my nap time as well, because. Take it. I know it's one, I mean, it's pretty yeah. great, Yeah. but it's like, I could be practicing now, but guys, the universe I just, offers you a nap, you take the nap. I know. I just finished reading Madeline and <laughs> she's all snuggled on my shoulder and I'm just like, okay, I'm out. <laughs> yeah. I think I napped with my son every day until he went to kindergarten. Yeah. I'm just, I'm flipping tired. I want a nap. <laughs> You're tired. And, and I got to say, man, that's such a pleasant experience i think like taking a little nap with your kiddo it's like yeah. not not a lot better you wake up and see them all sleeping and cute and sweaty and you know. <laughs> it takes away from the other times when they're not cute it does it does it's a real balance man people ask me about parenting and i'm like i'm like i want you to listen very carefully to what i'm about to tell you becoming a parent is both the best and the worst thing that has ever happened to me. Don't stop listening at the best thing. 
You need to hear both halves of that message. Yep. And the best thing that ever happened to you does not make the worst thing that ever happened to you better. Mm-hmm. It's still the worst thing to ever happened to me. But it's also the best thing. Yeah. It's both, you know. Some well, I will to mine are, mine are 12 and 9 so i'm a little further ah. past those stages now we're getting into new fun stages well i've heard the teenage stuff gets pretty dicey and i, I remember that from my end i was definitely I, i've got some karma to pay back yeah it's gonna come back and yeah. it might hurt i think it's gonna i think it's yeah. gonna be rough yeah guaranteed some days i wonder what exactly i did to my mom to be deserving of what i'm getting so <laughs> Yeah. 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 Teenagers are, there's something. I tell you what. Yeah. Yeah. Gracious. Oh my glory. So you guys are then going to just kind of set up shop here and kids are going to mm-hmm. be cool, hopefully sooner than later. Do either of your kids have any inclination toward music? Are they leading? My son, is, they both do. Uh, my son is actually, he, he hasn't like started on the instrument yet, but I feel like he has perfect pitch. He will, he'll just, I have a little bit of perfect pitch. Uh, well, I've, perfect pitch is actually a tendency. Some people have and some people don't. It doesn't necessarily mean you're a great musician if you have it. And it certainly doesn't mean you're not a great musician if you don't have it. All perfect pitch means is you know what a note is mm-hmm. out of the blue. Yeah. So like, I know that's an A approximately. And you would ask someone else if they could sing an A and they probably couldn't. So it's just a memory. But Reese, my son, he's into this video game, Plants vs. Zombies. And like, he's always singing and always making noise. Uh, But he'll start singing that song, the theme to the video game, and he'll be in the right key. So I'm like, how'd you do that? Simone does not have perfect pitch um, and struggles to carry a tune, but she writes a lot of wonderful songs. One of my favorite moments with her, she was <laughs> in the back of the car and she was going, believe in yourself, you can do anything. I believe in you and I love you. And I was like, Simone, that was so wonderful. What is that song called? And she goes, it's called doggy puke. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> Just genius. That's, that's Absolute, exactly that yeah. <laughs> so I kind of hope that she and Reese will have this whole Billy Eilish, what's her brother's name? Finnegan, I think. Anyway. My daughter could tell me. Yeah. Yeah, they're like a whole tag team, uh, you know. But I think the shoe would sort of be on the other foot. I think Reese would be the performer and singer, and Simone would write, write the songs. So maybe more like a Marvin Hamlish, Carol Bayer Sager kind of thing. Like I sure, yeah. <laughs> I know Marvin. I, I don't know Carol Bayer Sager, unfortunately. They were okay, so let me dork out for a minute. The first Broadway show that I grew up listening to was they're playing our song. Okay. A seventy nine Tony Award winning musical. And my my family is all musically inclined, teaching mm-hmm. and what have you. So that was what we listened to in the car growing up in Colorado when we would drive. We would listen to that soundtrack over and over. And it's based on the relationship between Marvin Hamlish, who wrote the music, and Carol Bayer Sager, who wrote the words. Oh, wow. So it's, 
it hasn't aged well, unfortunately. I begged every theater in town to do it, and they uh -huh. won't freaking do it. Um, it's also too low for me, so that wouldn't work anyway. But gotcha. It's yeah, the the music and the lyrics part of of things there. Yeah, it's a, it's quite a dance to be able to to nail those together. I think. How does that happen as a songwriter? Like, do you do you start with the music and then put lyrics in, or do you do vice versa? I mean, I I don't even. I mean, I've definitely written songs. I don't necessarily even call myself a songwriter, but. For me, I'm much more of a music guy, like the tune. And I've talked to Jay, who is a profoundly talented songwriter. Um, and I, I feel like by and large, most songwriters who are writing both, the music tends to come first. Okay. Uh, I mean, I, I don't want to say it's a vast majority because I think it happens both ways. And Jay has done it both ways. Yeah. But most of the time and this is definitely the case when i've written songs you have some chord progression or something that you like you know a little chunk of music that you're developing you you start singing nonsense words over it um and then you try to shoehorn ideas and words that feel good and make sense into that melody um one reason i've always kind of liked Cirrus, uh the icelandic band is that a lot of their music, they just never left the gibberish part. <laughs> huh. They're just like, they treat the voice as an instrument and it's syllables, but it, you know, they, they do have some songs. They, I think they have some songs in Icelandic and some songs in English, but for the most part, all their stuff is gibberish. It's, they call it Hopelandic. It's like a language they made up. It's just nothing. Like, yeah. it's just saying nonsense words, singing it, but it sounds fantastic. Yeah. So I kind of, I kind of like that as a more musically oriented guy. Okay. Yeah. And then you just slap doggy puke on the top of it. And <laughs> it's such a great, that's a brilliant that's, title. It's so punk rock too. Yes. Especially cause it's, it sounded like a Disney ballad, but it's called yeah. doggy puke. It's great. Yeah. Maybe that is the, the theme for the next Disney movie that comes out. I mean, we're going to have to, we're going to have to pump stuff out once, once. For the sure. So doggy puke can just get Let's right do up it. On, <laughs> on Mulan three or whatever they're coming out with. So. Yeah. I'm, I'm ready. <laughs> what are you, what are you forced to watch kid wise these days? Like what shows are they obsessed with that you get stuck watching? Forced to watch. I mean, some of them are actually not bad. Um, they, my daughter loves this show called True and the Rainbow Kingdom, which is like very positive and kind of anime looking. Uh, not bad, you know, it's pretty good. As far as stuff I'm forced, there's this little thing, Mother Goose Club, uh, which I hope they're both kind of, Reese has definitely outgrown it, but Simone is still kind of into it. And it's just nursery rhymes. And uh, we actually knew, I, I'm friends with a, woman who worked on one of them as a producer uh so every time we watch it i text her and i'm like hey we're watching your show um but it's just kind of like low rent barney production value it's just it's pretty pretty bad um there was one that's even worse uh that i think is an indian import but it's bob the train and it's it's on YouTube, oh. 
gosh. It's just a nightmare. I mean, yeah, I know Bob the Train. You know Bob the Train? I do. It's a bunch of like imports that have come in from other countries that that my kid got into just because like we're not a cable family, right? And you know, so like we're I mean, fortunately Netflix has stepped up the game a bit, so you have some some decent choices out there. But yeah, several that were one was from Japan called Tayo, the little bus. Which oh was, yeah, we have, oh, I know Tayo. That's but listen, not as bad as some. Yeah, Bob the train. <laughs> Bob the train is Bob not, the train makes Tayo look like. Uh, citizen kane i mean agreed agreed it's bad train is just total steaming pile of shit it's really (laughs) terrible wait but that's not the one your producer friend worked on no that's mother goose club mother goose club is not great either and and i think she would be the first one to tell you that but um it's money you know (laughs) yeah i mean it's it works you know but bob the train works too and bob the train is just terrible it's just awful so it doesn't even sound good. I mean, that's a horrible title. Bob the train. Yeah, yeah. It's got Bob the builder and Thomas the tank engine. Like, what? Why? Right. Why? We you know what? I'm sure that like they were like, "Hey, boss, let's." There's Bob the builder and Thomas the train. We can't steal it, but if we did Bob the train, it's like you have a gift, my friend. Let's make that show. <laughs> it's like a cheap knockoff. <laughs> yeah, it's so bad. So bad. We're we're lucky, especially during this time. My daughter's now getting old enough where it's like, I don't feel the need to say, okay, this has really bad language in it, and these are words. You know, we're kind of beyond that point. So we're right. introducing her to all the films that we have enjoyed. So right now we've watched Dirty Rotten Scoundrels. Oh, fun. We what did we watch? Oh, School of Rock. She finally saw that. Loved it. Yeah, it's a great movie. She did see. She's getting into musicals more and more. Sorry, mm-hmm. Docker. Um, but she has, I had her watch the, um, was it Joel Shoemaker, the Phantom of the Opera that came out, what, 95 something? Oh, like right. That? Yeah, they did do a movie of that. It was, it was okay. Mm-hmm. But I think my influence has been strong enough because by the end of it, she's just like, yeah, Gerard Butler, he's not very good. He just, uh-huh. <laughs> she's like, but Patrick Wilson, he is so hot. <laughs> yep. My work here is done. She knows her stuff. That's good. She does, well, and then in conversation with other people, they're like, is she going to watch the Les Mis movie version? I don't, I don't know if I can do that to her. Is know. it bad? I heard mixed things about that. I mean, it, it won Oscars, right? Like It did. The, is, is it the same person who did Cats? Oh, gosh, I hope not. No, I, heard, I don't heard, think so, no. I've heard some amazingly wonderful things about Cats. Like, I wonderful, so. terrible things. I've heard amazingly wonderful things that they had to change to make cats palatable for theaters, like the right. butthole cut. Which, yeah. <laughs> that, if I were to watch a version of cats, it would be the butthole cut of cats. I want to see that. I've heard it. I've heard it might exist. Like I think somebody. There's got to be a digital. If somebody, I guarantee, if somebody called up a, a, an effects guy and was like, "We need you to remove all of the buttholes from the cats movie." Yeah. He'd be like, send me the file right now. And it would be archived. <laughs> and then like 10 years from now, five years from now, it's going to leak online somewhere. And it'll be, it'll be amazing. Do you think, do you think it's really called the, the, like the butthole? No, it's like they, they originally had all the effects. They, they, they had like, you know, cat buttholes are fairly prominent. And right. they, they had it so that that was something you could see in the thing. Because <laughs> It felt weird without it, but no, it I know that goes to like Joel Schumacher putting, you know, nipples on the bat suit too. It was right. kind of like, you know, 
yeah, I guess it does look weird without it, but it looks really weird with it. So, <laughs> yeah. Uh, now, the, the movie version of Les Mis, there's some good casting and there's some mm-hmm. really horrible casting. Right. Um, Russell Crowe, namely, who we kind of wished would have committed suicide at the beginning of the film as opposed sure. to like three quarters of the way through. He was wretched. Like, and that's so surprising because... 30 odd foot of grunts is such a fantastic band. Yeah. It's just, not, it's not a venue for him. <laughs> I, I'm kidding. I don't, I, I, I mean, <laughs> he can sing, but I think it's like, just because you can doesn't mean that you should. I remember, did y'all ever watch like uh, those talking head shows on VH1? Like, I don't know, like I love the nineties or whatever, but oh, yeah. oh, one yeah. of the guys was talking about, Russell Crowe's band, 30 Odd Foot of Grunts. And he's like, I've never heard any, a single note of music from 30 Odd Foot of Grunts. And one of my goals in life is to die without ever having to hear it. So. <laughs> oh, so they're, they're that good then. Okay. I don't know. I don't know. I haven't heard it either. And I, you I, don't know, know. I, got I feel like the name alone conjures up a, a musical style in my head that is unsatisfactory to me. Yeah. And doesn't sell. Yeah. Well, I, you have to think, like, I mean. What could Russell Crowe possibly have to sing about? I don't know. Well, not even that. But, like, when you've got somebody who has huge power in, the, in, the, in showbiz, mm-hmm. it's like, you know, unless their band is... You know, if, if if they have an even passable band, they can make it work. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I remember I saw a little clip of 30 Seconds to Mars, which is Jared Leto's band, on some late night thing. And it actually sounded pretty cool. And I think he's made a decent career out of that, you know, uh, in addition to acting. But you just got to think, like, if if you've got this, if if, if it's your band and you're Russell Crowe. And if there's any good song, you've got to think it would be played. Like someone would hear it. Nobody's heard it. Got to be bad, right? <laughs> I mean, this guy has... 30-odd fo- foot of grunt song, it's banging. It's yeah. Great. I mean, this guy literally has his, you know, he could, he could get anybody on the phone. Yeah. You know. I do have to say, though, I feel like it's a lot harder for actors to bust their way into music than vice versa. Like, you know, like Will Smith started off as a rapper and he's parlayed that into now. It's like, what is he? I mean, he definitely is still a rapper, but he's also, I think he's known more as an actor now. Yeah. Um, But he was a musician first, so... You know, that's that's why I started music because, you know, I'm gonna what, be a be movie the blockbuster star. movie star. Yeah, yeah. be the I next get it. Tom Cruise. <laughs> no, I thought you meant you wanted to be a rapper. So. Oh no, no. <laughs> Another thing with kids. <laughs> you know how Madeline? Have y'all read that children's book? Yeah, yeah. It's like in rhymed couplets. Well, I. Madeline. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I started rapping it, and my kids both go, "Don't rap it, Daddy." You can't stop it. Don't wrap it. They don't like it. Oh, 
That's no, that's that's good. I started speaking in Scottish accents to read my kids' math problems when he wouldn't do it. Just, yeah. <laughs> I think this time has turned us artists into lunatics to do whatever I we agree. Do to just I bring agree. that up. I was already pretty loony, so well, yeah. I didn't have far to go. Right. Uh, yeah. I wasn't far off either. <laughs> yeah. But it's it's a little bit more fun. It makes it just takes away from the doldrums of day to day to day to day to day. Sure. Did you see the dude that wrapped all of the Dr. Seuss books? No, but I heard it was terrific. It was brilliant. I will send okay. you a link after this. He is he is outstanding. Yeah, I a, a lot of that sort of blew up like a couple weeks ago, I think. And I, I a lot of my friends on social media were posting about it and saying this yeah. is it was sort of the post Tiger King pre what do we have now? I don't know. But <laughs> I'm running out of stuff to watch. We're doing uh Curb Your Enthusiasm from the beginning again. Oh wow. Nice. I love 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 that show. That's a great show. It's so funny. Golly. What else Brutal. have you been during this time? I've I've uh like most people, I think my cooking game has gone up a level. I think I I don't know if I could earn a Michelin star, but I might get the the very end of a point of one Michelin star. Um, I've, you know, my, I think my wife is sort of the executive chef and I'm the chef de cuisine. Like she scours the internet for recipes and it's like, let's try this. And I execute it. So um, I have to say we did Blue Apron a few years ago and, uh, I would, if, if anyone is sort of lost about how to cook, doing Blue Apron for a few weeks, it, it's like you Put learn you the right certain, path for sure. Yeah. yeah, you learn certain techniques about seasoning and different things. Also, my brother-in-law uh, is a chef. So oh, that helps. It's, yeah. He, and so every time he has come to visit, like, I always pick his brain about stuff and, and like, and he, you know, it's never like a lesson. He never like gives me a full on cooking lesson, but every time I visit with him, there's some little thing that's like, Oh, that's how you do that. So. Yeah. And, and then been, you unlock like one thing that kind of unlocks a bunch of other things for you. And that right. makes, yeah, I, I, once you get into it, I really like cooking. I do too. I, I, I'm having a blast, uh, even with the shitty corporate housing cookware, you know, but, it's all right. Making it work. Gracious. Yeah. I, I would be more than happy to let someone else <clears throat> cook. <laughs> I would too. I would be, I'd be thrilled. Yeah. It's, I think after a certain amount of time, especially now, I mean, the old joke of like, do they have to have three meals a day? Do they really need to eat three meals a day? Right. And, and well, my kids eat. require like three meals and then like six rounds of snacks yes. per day. How old are your kids, Ben? Uh, I've got a one and a half year old and I have a son who just turned six this past okay. week. So, yeah. Yep. So they, they keep us busy. Man. Yeah. That one and a half. I mean, like Simone turning three, like she's knock on wood, pretty much potty trained. We just, uh, you know, she's, just able to scoot from where we are to the Scioto River. Um, it's like a lot of things start to ease up. That, man, infancy to like 
three is the nonverbal communication is where like like my daughter wants something but she can't express what she wants so yeah it's like so she, and you're like I can't help you. I don't know what I you know, need. And she gets yeah, pissed and off, she right? gets frustrated, yeah. and we get frustrated, and it's like, you know, that and like she's also the kind of person who we take her out in the backyard, and she picks up rocks and puts rocks in her mouth, and <laughs> right, I, yeah, you know. So I'll never let her live that down either. So like when she gets married someday, I'm gonna be like, yes, when she was a child, she used to eat rocks <laughs> out of the yard, just put them in her mouth and just suck the dirt off of them. So, there you go. Yeah. yeah. So Gabe did that too, and he's. He's nine and he's, I don't want to say fine, but I think he's okay. Yeah. <laughs> Probably it's a healthy immune system, hopefully. You know, yes, I mean, it's, it's how those adult teeth get stronger. Right. Yeah. Calcium yeah. within the rock. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. He's, he, so with the new puppy, it's been interesting because my daughter is obsessed and really taking mature responsibility, taking care of this puppy. My son has flat out stated he doesn't like her because she bites. Gotcha. So. He's like, yeah, I, I just don't. Mm-mm. No, yeah. he, she, he just comes up and she bites me. We're like, dude, you bit the chair when you were teething. <laughs> he, he completely bit like the entire chair rail that we have of this lovely little piece of furniture with teeth marks on it now. So yeah, yeah. My so daughter's do- chewed the paint off of her crib. And it's like, I mean, we knew that this was going to be the last time it was used. But I mean, like at this point, like literally it looks like we raised a beaver instead yeah, of yeah. a child, you know, <laughs> so it always makes me happy to talk to parents because uh, I'm like, oh, at least, I mean, my kids may be crazy, but they're really, you know. They're kids. They're yeah. kids. They all yeah. do the same kid things. And yeah, now Gabe, uh, 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 Chris's son has been calling my kid on uh, f- Facebook uh, uh-huh. chat. And like I they have conversations that. about like, well, Gabe's trying to talk to Jack about minecraft and jack doesn't really know minecraft that well so jack's like ah but somebody's talking to me so i'm happy you know yeah. so yeah you, okay so they have word i don't know if you know this because yours are a little bit younger but they have facebook messenger for kids i don't know oh i didn't know that um i will only say take caution when you do it mm-hmm. because then it's this lovely new level of freedom for the kids but then again, it's this lovely new level of freedom for the kids. Right. Um, I, I've gotten word now from Ben and from at least three other parents like, hey, Gabe called us 20 times in a row. Sorry, we couldn't <laughs> up. And then he'll call me. So one day I finally get to get out and I was recording some video at the office. And I no less than seven times in my 12 minute drive, my son is calling me. I finally like, dude, I don't want to talk to you. <laughs> I'm away from the house, so I don't have to deal with you. I don't want your mess. I don't want to see your face. So again, right. Proceed with caution is all I'm going to say. Makes sense. <sighs> Makes sense. Sorry, sorry. <laughs> I'm done now. <laughs> I feel you. No apology necessary. I've... Yeah. You're saying what we're all thinking. That's. I think every parent in this time too is like I. I will never forget this this time that we have because we're never going to have this again. Right. Hopefully. Right. (laughs) Yeah. Like (laughs) eventually we're not going to see the kids every moment of every day. Right. For sure. Thinking of the fact that in six years, my daughter could be in college and out of the house. Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) This time though, it's, it's weird. It's like, yeah, we're we're never going to have this again. We're never going to have this 
required being at home time. And while it drives us nuts, it's also really like kind of a good time to get to know our kids a little bit better. Absolutely. Totally. Yeah. Totally. Or to know way too much about them and want to forget. (laughs) That's right. (laughs) Yeah. But yeah. My goodness. Ward, thank you so much. Oh, thanks for having me. Yeah, man. I really appreciate it. It was very cool. I'm, I'm looking forward to finally meeting up in real life for an actual drink in an actual establishment probably with a mask on as things seem to be that's going all right let's make it happen yeah Definitely. absolutely absolutely but ben you want to give our sure i always say uh, when we close i feel like we're doing like the end of a church service ben will you close us up please yes <laughs> I'll, I'll say my say my closing prayer yes uh, <laughs> uh hey thank you so much for tuning in today we really appreciate it uh, if you like what you hear, please remember sharing is caring. Please like and subscribe the channel. Uh, that's both YouTube, that's SoundCloud, that's uh, iTunes. Rate and review us if, if you feel so inclined. Uh, and the biggest thing is like if you know somebody who might like hearing from Ward, you know, hey, send them the, the, a link. You know, yep. we'd love to have this be shared around. So. Uh, and we appreciate everybody tuning in and hope everybody is staying safe and healthy, both physically and mentally during this entire thing. And we're all in the same boat. So thinking this of all of you. Sucks. I hate this boat. This, this, is, this is admittedly the shittiest boat that I've ever been in. So, <laughs> but there's someday we'll be able to get off the damn boat. So, that's right. You know. Yep. So thank you. All right. Bye everybody. Bye. Thank you. See ya. Boxland Media. Think big.